Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20, racing near sideline 10, turn of the 5, touchdown Raiders! The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby! Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll talk to Mike Gill, 97.3 ESPN in Jersey. He'll give us pick number 10 for the Philadelphia Eagles in our Unnecessary Roughness mock draft. That's coming up again in about 10 minutes. Give a lie or two. Then we have Coach Joey McGuire from Texas Tech will join us at 3.30. Teron Davenport from ESPN at 4 o'clock. You know who I just thought of, DeMond? I'm surprised you didn't point him out to me. Uh, Tariq Woolen. Tariq Woolen was a guy from last year, even just last year that I, that I was pounding the table for that I thought that the Raiders could get in a later round and be a really good defensive back, and Seahawks got him in round five. And he he challenged Sauce Gardner with the Defensive Rookie of the Year. You know, they, I mean, they were both in the running. Of course, Sauce Gardner won it, but he was right there with them, my man. Yeah, he was right there with them. They also got Kobe Bryant. It was so yeah. fun. They really nailed that draft. And then for the Raiders just missing out were – yeah, they could have got him. They could have. No, they Third, you might, you might want, you might say you're happy with Dylan Barman. Yeah, you definitely, probably are. Definitely, yeah. But yeah, Butler and Farrell. Well, th- th- I mean, that's the thing. They've got to show up this year. They got to show up and, and be somebody, right? They've got to show up and and show who they are. The thing that I'm encouraged about when it comes to to Butler and Farrell Jr. is the fact that they, you know, stayed back. They continued to work. They continued to grind. They didn't really take an off season. They just said, "Hey, we got to get our bodies right. We got to get into the 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 playbook." Well, they were well rested from not playing. So, well, I mean, that's fine. That's that's fine. <laughs> Look, I mean, that was either because they weren't. You know they didn't they didn't cut it where they they needed to be playing or they were just low on the depth chart. But if a guy has an opportunity to go away and go on vacation and go into the offseason and he chooses to stay and work, I'm okay with that, right? I mean that 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 tells me a lot that because you could do that. All these players, I mean oh, they yeah. they're just now in phase one of offseason activities, which is also voluntary. But they were there all offseason. So Lindsay, I mean that goes a long way when you're having guys that are showing that at least they want to work. I don't know if it's going to work out on the field, but at least they're showing some dedication in the offseason. Yeah, it reminds me of one of my hockey coaches' quotes: "First you got to get good, and then you got to get better." Or maybe it's the other way around. But when you're not at the level that you want, you have to be making every decision to put yourself in best position to maximize your value, maximize your ability to get better. And that's why, like, the situation with the Giants right now is so puzzling because you have a lot of guys mm-hmm. that are choosing not to show up to their voluntary workouts. You're like, what have you guys won? You have one year <laughs> right. where you take a step forward. Like, this is where you press. This right. is where you say yep. everybody's going to be here. And, and it's like self-policing within the mm-hmm. locker room because that's ultimately what I think takes to get to greatness. It's not from the coaches down. It's from the players up. Right. No, the players have to choose to be great, right? Yep. And you either put in the work or you don't. And I'm with you. If you're coming off a season where it's like, wow, that was surprising even that, you know, they went on that kind of a run. I would think everybody would be kind of eager to get back to work. Correct. You but know? That's where contract situations <laughs> right. soil the milk, and then there's all that other stuff. But in Dayball, we trust guys. I'm sure it'll run back just the same. I'll tell you what, man. Dayball is a heck of a coach. He's done some really good things with Josh Allen and then also showed that Daniel Jones could be a competent quarterback. Now, can he take another step? Who knows? But Dayball has shown what he is worth, so I definitely like the direction that they're going. 702-365-9200. Who was the draft pick that got away? Paul from Temecula. You're up next. What's on your mind, brother? Welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, Q? It's been a minute. Yeah, buddy. How you doing? I'm blessed. Good, good, man. Hey, um, really quick, um, 2017 draft, I, I wanted either between um, Adoree Jackson or Tredavious White, and I think Jackson went first to Tennessee, and then we, we ended up getting, getting Gary on Conley. Ugh. And then, um, and then uh, Tredavious White went to Buffalo a few, uh, a few picks after. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
and then and then on that same draft, who was I was super excited about was um, Obi Manafonu <laughs> on the, in the second round. Bigfoot. Remember that guy? Yep. Six yeah, four, he's, that's he Bigfoot. A, yep. <laughs> chest chest He was a combine hero, mm-hmm. war daddy in the combine. Yep. And I was super stoked, man. And looked like uh, what was that saying? Um, looked like Tarzan uh, played like Jane. Played, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly like that, man. So yeah, that that was the guy that I I was super hyped up, and you know he just he didn't come through, man. No doubt. Hey, so. good stuff, Paul. Thanks for the call. It's good to hear from you. And yeah, man, that Garyon Conley, I'll tell you, I'll never forget that. Matter of fact, Mike Gill, who's coming up in a matter of seconds, will join us. That's where me and Mike met. We were in Philadelphia. We were at the draft, and he worked his way up to the front of the stage, and I worked my way up right next to him. I mean, that's we were just kind of running buddies, and like I said, we just met. And we were going through the whole first round, and we decided that if we're already at the front of the stage, we're not moving. We're going to stay right there the There's whole no night. There's no better spot than on the rail. Right, exactly. And if we move, you know we're not getting back, Certainly right? Because we weren't supposed to be there anyway. And I remember getting closer and closer to the Raiders pick. I really wanted the Raiders that draft to get Hassan Reddick. I wanted Hassan Reddick bad. I had such a bad night that night. One, the Chiefs traded up to go get Patrick Mahomes. And I knew as soon as they traded up, I knew that, okay, this is going to be bad. I knew who they were going for then. I told Mike before they even called, I said, Patrick Mahomes, you watch. And they picked him, and I dropped my head. And then the Arizona Cardinals picked Hassan Reddick at number 13. So I was mad about that. And they got Buda Baker in the second round. Yes, exactly. We could have had Buda Baker. (laughs) Raider Nation wouldn't be talking about trading for him right now. We already would have been a member of the Silver and Black. Yes, and then at 24, before the pick is even announced, my buddy Paul from Texas hits me and says, I guess the Raiders don't care about Garyon Conley and the situation he's dealing with off the field. I said, why? Oh, they're about to pick him. I was like, no. And then all of a sudden. The Ohio State lobbyists were heavy those few They picked Garyon Conley. And you know what's crazy about that is the, what was it? Was it the next year? Oh, no, it was later that year. We went to the Hall of Fame. We went out to Canton, Ohio, and we went to this place. I won't say the name of it because it almost sounds like a racial slur, but it's not. But anyway, we went to this place. Uh, You know those golf pants that you wear? There's many well, descriptions okay, of that. Okay, well, can fit. I'll, I'll break them down later. Okay. Anyway, it was in it was in Canton, Ohio. We went to this little sports bar slash. It was like a golf whatever, and sure. and somebody said something about Gary on Conley, and the lady behind the bar was like, "I hate him." <laughs> and we're like, oh and I was like, God. I was like, why? And she, she was like, "I go to Ohio State." So she was, I was like, "Whoa, okay." So she. Did not the word like Gary on Conley. Right. Did a hot lap around Mirror Lake myself. It does travel. That was wild to me. I was like, wow, okay. But yeah, that Gary on Conley. How bad you have to be that the Ohio State fans don't like you despite, like, like <laughs> right. The, we don't come here to play school. That, like, that's, right. that's cool. Yeah, exactly. Uh. Exactly. That's, that, man, that's, a, yeah, that's amazing. So, uh, yeah, Mike Gill, that's so funny that he's coming up in a matter of seconds to join us. Matter of fact, he's joining us now on the phone lines. Mike Gill, 97.3 ESPN in Jersey. And Mike, I was just telling the story of how me and you met in Philadelphia at the Rocky Steps at the draft that year. We worked our way up to the front of the the front of the stage, and we didn't move because we weren't supposed to be there anyway. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, what 2017 or yep. 2016. 2017. There, yeah. 2017. Yep, yep. <laughs> 2017. Yes, uh, Eagles uh, had just won the su- or getting ready for the Super Bowl uh, season that they went on. They drafted uh, Derek 
uh, Barnett that year. It did not work out. No, no, it didn't. And, and it's funny because the show topic that we had today was who was the draft pick that got away? And then all of a sudden I started thinking of that 2017. And I was thinking, of, and I remember when Patrick Mahomes, when the Chiefs traded up, that was miserable. Then I remember the Arizona Cardinals, they got Hassan Reddick. That was the guy I wanted. And the Raiders ended up with Gary on Conley. And I was not happy about that. But yeah, man, that's 2017. Is there a draft pick that got away that you were really focused in on that, you know, just didn't end up being an Eagle or, or, or whoever you were looking for? Well, I can give you a bunch, but I'll go recently here. Justin Jefferson was taken to pick after Jalen Rager. That didn't work out so well. I think the Eagles' offense will look a hell of a lot better with Justin <laughs> Jefferson. Now, if they had Justin Jefferson, they probably don't have A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith, so everything kind of works out in the end. I'll go old school, though, on you. I'm in college, 1998. I'm sitting around as a student at WVU, and I'm hoping that Randy Moss's name is called because he's the West Virginia guy. The Eagles went with Trey Thomas instead. Turned out to be a really good left tackle, but he wasn't Randy Moss. He wasn't Randy Moss. I mean, and, and not very many are, so that's a really good one. Again, Mike Gill is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Lindsay's got one for you. Well, Mike Gill, I don't know you, but it seems like there's a lot of jealousy going towards the Minnesota franchise, <laughs> and as a Vikings fan, or at least a former one, I, I could not be happier. But you mentioned A.J. Brown, and now that the league has had a year's worth of tape between him and Jalen Hurts and their great connection, you can scheme away and take away their first option. So what's next in the evolution of this partnership? Is it an area of the field or a situation that you think they could attack better? Well, I do. I think they can take more shots down the field. I think A.J. Brown is a big play guy, and I think Jalen Hurts is turning himself into one of the bigger uh, you know, deep ball passers in this league. We talked about it today. I know Q, a lot of times we'll hear you filling in for uh, Jason Fitz. He brought up an interesting point, who's a Raider fan, by the way. Yep. He brought up an interesting point today that said, hey, now that you get that contract, the expectations go up. Mm -hmm. And now the expectations for Jalen Hurts go up. So what does that mean? Does he take more shots down the field? I think there's a lot more big play connections between him and A.J. Brown. I think they will take more advantage of, of that opportunity in year number two. Keep this in mind. Different play caller. How is that going to factor in? That is one major wild card. Shane Steichen was a great play caller. Hit all the right notes. But Brian Johnson has never been an NFL play caller. be interesting to see if he wants to hit a home run and say, all right, let me make my mark with the big play down the field. And I think that's something that he did at Florida when he was there with Kyle Trask. And I think you might see more of that with Jalen Hurts this year with A.J. Brown. You know, Mike, wanted to go back to the contract and Jalen Hurts real quick. I was a big fan of his coming out of Oklahoma and obviously Alabama as well. But, I mean, just with what you've seen from the time he's been in the league, the way he's grown himself and matured himself and, and gotten better and better each and every year to the point where he's at right now. I mean, what, what, else, what else do you expect this young man to do to take that next step now? As you mentioned, kind of throw the ball down the field a little bit more. But just what are your expectations from Hurts? I mean, to say that anybody saw this jump, it would be lying. But mm -hmm. what you could see is him progressively working hard to get better. You know that he's not going to rest on his laurels and come back the same player. So I would assume you're going to see improvement, better decision-making, better rapport. This will be his third year with uh, Devonta Smith, his third year now with Dallas Goddard, his second year with A.J. Brown. And, oh, by the way, that offensive line in front of him, you have four of five starters coming back to protect him. So I just think the timing and the rhythm – is all going to be better, and you know his work ethic will make him a better player, him a better decision maker. And quite frankly, if he's a you know anywhere near the decision maker, he if he had to make a thousand decisions last year, he made the right one about nine hundred and ninety five times. 
he just had a flawless season. And I don't think, see there's any reason, just knowing his work ethic and what the players, the coaches, and the front office think of this guy, there's a reason. Look, how many players can you guys identify that got a contract based on one season of success? He only did it one year, and he sold this organization enough to say, we are trusting you after they got burned by the other guy a couple of years ago when they identified him <laughs> and signed Carson Wentz to the contract, and they still didn't you know, deter them from signing Jalen Hurts' deal. That's how much they trust this guy. With the Eagles having that number 10 pick, how much do you think that building up that offensive line for the future, Lane Johnson, he was an all-pro last year, but he did battle through injury. Do you think that maybe they do take, they'll, they'll have their pick of the best tackles available in the draft, that maybe they zag where people think that they're going to go for a, a nice skill position or a defensive player and say, no, we want to shore up that offensive line? Well, that's the, you know, here in Philly, it's either offense or defensive line. That's the status quo generally. Um, they will go on those two sides of the ball, offense and defensive line. Skronsky, his name's come up a lot. I'm not sure the linemen uh, will get to him. Paris Johnson was in for a visit yesterday. Johnson's interesting. He played guard at Ohio State, then he played tackle at Ohio State. Skronsky has played tackle primarily, but most people project him to play guard. The one spot on this line where they need some help is right guard. Isaac Sayamala signed with the Steelers. Johnson's still here. I think he signed for two or three more seasons. Mylotta, he signed for two more seasons. Uh, Landon Dickerson is signed for three more seasons. So their offensive line, and Jason Kelsey's back for one more year. They drafted his replacement last year. So the one spot on this line where they need to get someone is right guard. So if Skronsky or Paris Johnson are there, I would not be shocked at all if that was somebody they were taking a look at. Mike, you mentioned Jason Kelsey, and, and there's no better center in the NFL, and it pains me to say it, but what, what in your mind separates his game from his positional peers, and how much of that is just the development in the trench school that is in Philly versus what he was blessed with physically? <laughs> well, yeah, he's not the most physically gifted guy. He's a smaller guy. He's an athletic guy, but what he is is very smart. I mean, this guy, you know, and he's athletic, you know, for the position, but he's not the biggest guy, but he can get out and he understands and he sees the play developing in front of him. He's almost like when a running back has to see the hole. When he snaps the ball and then pulls and takes off, he can get to that second level, but he can see, hey, if I can just get a hand on this guy, I can bounce off of him and get to that third level. He's just so good. You don't talk about vision with a center, but he has that vision. He has that smart. Um, yeah, he is truly, you know, there was a time, oh man, Andy Reid's right around Andy's last year here. People thought Kelsey was done. People thought, like, he had a bad year, and yeah, maybe it's time to move on from him. He had that one bad year, and then he came back better than ever, and he has been he's probably one of the most popular Eagles in the last 20 years, too. I mean, that Super Bowl speech in the Mummers Parade outfit will forever be remembered. But he's a guy that, you know, uh, I live down the shore. We're about an hour from Philly, and you will routinely see him down here at the beaches, and he does a lot of charity work down in these parts. So he has grown into becoming – what team – is the offensive lineman the most popular guy on the team? Very, very rare. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of guy he has turned into. So he is a student of the game. He's smart. He's got great vision. And quite frankly, 
uh, this guy's got the greatest contract ever because he keeps saying, you know, this is my last year. Eh, I'll come back for one more year. I'll take another $14.5 million. Man, nice. that's perfect right The gift there. that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> you told us at the Super Bowl that the Eagles do not value the safety position. C.J. Garner-Johnson, he's gone. Marcus Epps, he's here with the Raiders. So how do they address that hole back at safety this year? Well, Buda Baker seems to like Nick Sirianni, and he doesn't want to play for John Gannon, so maybe that's a fit. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I know every time there's a big-name player, the Eagles are always connected just because Howie Roseman does his due diligence. But this would, so many times we laugh, we're like, that's not happening, that's not happening. This is one where we could see it happening, though, because Arizona is in a rebuild. Buda Baker wants out. He's one of the more passionate players in this league. He has no more guaranteed money left on that deal. And the deal the Eagles put together for Jalen Hurts allows them to continue to build this team. So I would not be surprised at all if they went that route. I would not imagine that that 10th pick will be used on a safety. That's just not something the Eagles value there. 30, possibly, uh, if Branch is in play there. But I don't think they're going to stay in that 30 spot. I think they'll get out of that spot because they don't have picks uh, in the middle rounds. They have no third, fourth, or fifth round pick this year. So I think safety is something that they probably still have something else up their sleeve. Uh, they last year went out and got Chauncey Garner-Johnson, you know, the second or third week of, of – uh, a preseason. So Howie has done that a lot where he makes trades way into training camp. He's done it many times over the last, you know, since 27, that run in 2017. And I think that's the way they'll fill that safety spot. Mike Gills, our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you, and I did want to ask about Jalen Carter. Of course, uh, there's Georgia teammates that are already there in Philadelphia. If for some weird reason he ends up at number 10 or even close to number 10, do you think Howie Roseman makes a, makes a run at Jalen? If he's there at number 10, yeah, that, okay. that'll be the pick. Uh, if he's there at number 10, uh, that'll be the pick. They will not let him get past number 10. The question that you followed up with, though, was a good one. What if he's at number 7? What if he's number 8? Do they then say, we've got to make the move to go get this guy? We know the Eagles like to build on the interiors. As I mentioned, he would be the best of the interiors if he gets to that spot. The problem they have is they don't have a lot of ammunition in this draft. Next year, they are going to have a boatload of picks. The problem is many of them are going to be compensatory picks, so you don't have them yet. Mm. So it's going to be hard for them to structure a deal using picks for this year that they don't have. It'll be hard to structure a deal with picks in next year's draft because they don't have them yet, even though uh, they are projected to get about five extra draft picks based on the, the, the losses, Javon Hargrave probably give him another uh, third or fourth. Uh, they're going to have, I think, when it's all said and done, like five fourth-round picks next year or something to that effect, but you can't trade them until you get them. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how they work a deal out uh, if Carter starts to slip past number five, which is where he's been projected in a lot of spots. But if he gets past there, then Howie Roseman probably picks up the phone and starts – you know, uh, thinking about how can I get up here? Oh, yeah. You know what that sound means? That means it is time to make a pick. Bryce Young is off the board. C.J. Stroud followed by Will Anderson, Anthony Richardson, Jalen Carter, as you mentioned, number five to Seattle, Tyree Wilson, Christian Gonzalez, B. John Robinson, Peter Skoronsky has been taken off the board. So at number 10, Mike, all pressure's on you. Who are the Eagles selecting? 
you know, it's funny. I was going to throw you guys a curveball and go with Jackson Smith and Jigba, but the Eagles did sign a slot receiver today, and I don't think they would go that route. They signed Zakitas today from Atlanta uh, to play the slot for them. But I'm going to go in the sweet spot for the Eagles. Uh, Nolan Smith, Georgia, 4-3-40. He is built a lot like Hassan Reddick, and the Eagles like to do draft correction. Hey, if we have to re-sign Reddick down the road, we already drafted a replacement for him. You put those two guys on the field together, you go after the quarterback. They need another rotational end player. They'll go with Nolan Smith, SEC. They've been going, they've been hitting in the SEC. I like Miles Murphy, but the last Clemson guy they took did not work out so well. So Smith will be the pick for the Eagles at 10. Wow, there you go. That's a really good pick. Let me ask you this, Mike, because I'm really intrigued because nobody has picked this young man yet. Was Devin Witherspoon, the cornerback out of Illinois, a, a, a thought in your mind before you made the selection? Uh, they just signed Slay and Bradbury. There is some talk that they need some depth there, that if they trade back, uh, they could be in play for like a Joey Porter or Christian Gonzalez. I think Weatherspoon will be gone by that point. But they did sign Slay and Bradbury, so they do have two guys. Now, you go back to their glory years of the Andy Reid era, they had Troy Vincent and Bobby Taylor, mm-hmm. and they went and drafted uh, Sheldon Brown and Lito Shepard, and those guys replaced um, Vincent uh, the next year. So they brought the replacements on. Those two guys sat for the year, and then the next year those two guys became the starters. So I could possibly say if Witherspoon was that high on their draft board and they said, look, we're just going to get him in here because we'll let Bradbury or Slay walk, that's a possibility. But I, they just go – they love the defense alignment so much and there's so many good, like Van Ness would be a play here. Mm. Uh, Murphy would be in play here if um, those guys are on the board. I think all of Noah Smith, though, has the best numbers. I mean, he's the, he, he runs. He gets explosive off the ball. Yeah. And I think they're just looking for another guy that can get to the quarterback. Now, keep in mind, they do have a new defensive coordinator here, which is a wild card for all of this. What does he value as opposed to what John Gannon like? They had seventy sacks last year. Yeah, where are they going <laughs> to? How are they going to get seventy sacks again? Well, Nolan Smith helps out. That is just sick. That makes me just laugh. Seventy sacks is just ridiculous, man. That is that. I don't look. What do they say? Don't uh, envy what your neighbor has. Well, I envy that. <laughs> that is one of those things that, man, that sure would be nice to see seventy sacks here in Las Vegas. Well, Mike, seventy sacks, Scott. <laughs> seventy sacks, and the fans. Hated the coordinator. Of course they did. Of course they did. Well, I'll tell you right now, man, if there was any way to get 70 sacks here in Vegas, I think everyone would love the coordinator and then some. Maybe send him flowers to his house or on his birthday. Who knows? I don't know. But that's I like to pick, man. Nolan Smith was big time at the Combine. Really caught my attention. Of course, he's a big time player there at Georgia. I think that's a nice alpha dog that you're uh, you're getting, and we're going to put your name up on the board. We're going to put him up there as well. Mike, fantastic stuff, man. What do you got coming out on, uh, on the show? What are you doing for the show tomorrow? Am I part of your show tomorrow? Uh, or Friday, Thursday. That's no, right. you'll be on Friday okay. show. And tomorrow, <laughs> you listen, we're all Sixered up here. Sixers, Nets, game two. Yeah. We're all over that. We're one week away from the draft. Uh, and the Eagles do have two picks. You know, obviously, Eagles are huge here. And everybody, the biggest conversation here, and Bajon Robinson is off the board in your scenario. But if he's on the board at number 10, the Eagles fans, you know, 1998, the Eagles fans, or 1999, the Eagles fans won it. Ricky Williams. They famously booed 
Donovan McNabb, not because they didn't want McNabb, because they wanted Ricky Williams. Well, now they want Bajon Robinson, and if he's on the board at number 10, it's going to be a very interesting however many minutes are on the clock. Five, ten, what do they give you now in the first round? However get, long you yeah, get. I think you get 15 now. However long you get, it will be very interesting to see because so many people are mocking Bajon Robinson to the Eagles. All the Eagles beat guys are saying never will happen. They'll never draft a running back. They haven't drafted a running back in the first round in 40 years. So that'll be a storyline if he's on the board. There you go. I like it. Well, Mike, fantastic stuff, my man. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for the time, and I'll talk to you on Friday. All right, guys. See ya. Later. Mike Gill, 97.3 ESPN in Jersey. So there you go. It's 40 years, so it sounds like it's time to go ahead and get a, get a running back. Yeah, it's about damn time. And I just I just I hope that there's nothing great that goes on for the Eagles because first of all they're really good and second of all they don't deserve it. And so hopefully there's nice. just a bunch of misses and uh they can go back down to the basement of the NFC. Tell you so, what, okay. man, Howie Roseman does a good job. He builds through the trenches. He does a really yeah. good job of of making moves, uh, you know, trades. He's not he's not uh, afraid of making trades and he's not afraid to make some picks that you might look at and say, "Oh, what what did he make that pick for?" But I and just he's not feel like afraid to do. say that he messed up. Right. Like that that in and of itself in this league. I I think saves you so much time and hurt from just, well, we got to give this guy one more year. That one more year might set you back three. Right. Absolutely. Those are facts right there. 327 is the time. When we come back, Coach Joey McGuire from Texas Tech will join us to talk all things Tyree Wilson. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. We are very draft-heavy as the NFL draft is right around the corner, coming up on the 27th. That is the first round from Kansas City. Of course, Radio Nation Radio 920 and this show, Unnecessary Roughness, will be live in Kansas City for the first round. And, of course, there's a, there's a guy from, uh, from Texas Tech, a guy from East Texas, way out there in East Texas that's going to hear his name called very, very early, and that is Tyree Wilson. And join us now on the phone lines to talk a little. Tyree is his coach, Coach Joey McGuire. And, Coach, it's been a minute since we've, uh, we've talked. It's, it's always good to hear from you. And before we, before we get into Tyree, i got to say, successful season that you had there at Tech. Congratulations to you. I know you guys are going through spring ball right now. How's everything going for you? Man, uh, great. Thanks for having me, and great to talk to you. It's been a long time. Uh, it's going good. We uh, we really, all we have left is our spring game. Uh, tomorrow we'll get a, a fast Friday uh, on a Thursday, um, <laughs> you know, to kind of get our bodies ready to go, and then in the spring game, and then the guys get ready for finals and, and get a little break before summer training. But it, it's going really well. We're excited about this team. Coach, what what was it that you did where you were you were able to do and convince the players when you got there in Lubbock that, you know, hey, this is going to work out. We're going to do it. I've done it on the high school level. I've done it as an assistant on the college level. Now I'm going to do it as the head man. Uh, you know, the biggest thing, um, and it's going to be a guy that we are talking about, there's a couple of them lacking, but the best players that we had on the team and, and the vets bought in the fastest. Um, you know, I think uh, instead of having a team meeting, uh, the first time I met everybody, I met with every player that was coming back one-on-one. And, uh, you know, I didn't ask for a chance. I just asked them to uh, let me show them who who I am, who we are, and uh, prove that this is a great situation. And, you know, Tyree believed uh, really early. I mean, and, and that helped me because, again, when your best players believe in what you're doing, then you've got a chance to really push the culture and uh, and flip and change some things really fast. 
Coach Joey McGuire is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Now, Coach is the head coach there at Texas Tech, and we will be talking about Tyree Wilson. Lindsay, you got one. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's recruiting to get kids into the building, and there's recruiting to keep kids in the building. But Hugh Freeze apparently likes to evaluate his players' ankles first because <laughs> apparently you can tell how athletic a player uh, based on how skinny their ankles are. And if that's true, then I'm, I have a very big trajectory in my future. But how much truth do you think there is to that theory? And if you had to boil down one physical aspect to assess a recruit's potential, what would it be? Well, there is some truth in that. You know, you, you definitely can tell um, in my experience uh, the, the ankles. You know, you can look at guys and their, their ankle size and see, um, you know, what kind of athlete they're going to be. You know, a couple of things that we do. We're really, in everything we do, we're really number-driven as a program. Uh, the guy that's over my uh, personnel department, we run this more like a, as far as that, recruiting um, like a scouting department in the NFL, uh, he was with the Carolina Panthers as a, as a scout. And so we look at a lot of different numbers. So a couple things is arm length. You know, um, we're recruiting a kid that's an old lineman that is, uh, is really, really good. And a lot of people would be like, man, he's only six, two and a half. But his arm length is ridiculous. I mean, he's like an 82-plus arm, um, 34 plus arm most tackles in the nfl are not going to get drafted if they're not 33 or better and so those are the things that we we look really look at and then this is it's funny but we always tell o-linemen and d-linemen hey if you really want to be seriously recruited by us send us a video of you dunking a basketball (laughs) we want to see how explosive they are Mm. and so we have a lot of guys a lot of o-linemen that uh well any of our o-linemen that are on the team right now they all can dunk um, but definitely the guys that we're recruiting right now. Well, the guy that you're about to uh, get a question from, DeMond, he can't dunk a donut. So he- okay. That's, uh... <laughs> Coach, going into the season where you said it's great that when your best player buys in, when, when you already have that, but as the season progressed and you guys did have a nice season, could you tell that, oh, this guy, he's better than the best player, that he is going to be special at the next level? And, you know, so what I tell, because we've got a couple of edge guys that should be drafted next year. Uh, we actually got a kid that's got longer arms. He's six five and a half, so he's a half an inch shorter than Tyree, and his arms are longer. Um, and Miles Cole, and and whenever I talk to those guys, really all of our guys, I said, what makes Tyree different is you don't see a lot of six six, two hundred and seventy plus pound guys chase the ball away from them and throw his body to make tackles the way he does. Most long guys, whenever it's going away from them, they really reach, you know, and they won't throw their body. Um, Kyrie, if you look at the film, it's crazy the way he plays, the motor, and how many tackles for losses he had this last year when the ball was actually going away from him and he threw his body to get the ball down. I tell every scout this story. I've talked to, you know, GMs. Um, this this should tell you everything you want to know of drafting Tyree Wilson. We're playing TCU. It's a really good game through uh, three quarters and then the first couple of minutes of the fourth quarter. We actually had the lead in the fourth quarter. And um, it's late in the fourth quarter. They're going to win the game. The game's over. And so we pull you know, our old guys out, and we're putting in a bunch of young guys, and they're driving the ball. And uh, I call a timeout. You know, it's like third down. They're fixed to score. They're, like, inside the 10, and I call a timeout, and I'm going to try to rally the young guys and say, look, guys, let's let's finish this thing off. 
And Tyree Wilson, before I could say anything, puts his hand on my shoulder and he says, Coach, I got this. And he told our uh, defensive tackle, Jay Boog, he told Krishan Merriweather, he said, guys, we're going back in. I said, Tyree, there's no reason for you to go back in. He goes, Coach, they're not scoring. So whenever your best player, who's going to be a number one draft pick, is a meaningless point to the game, and he puts himself back in, and oh, by the way, we stopped him on fourth down and went down and scored to end the game, still going to lose the game. But whenever he pulls himself out, and these days you have everybody else that you know rolls an ankle or or you know barely tweaks an ankle and they can't play in the game, but this guy's pulling guys out to finish the game. It tells you everything you need to know about what kind of kid he is and how you why you want him on your team. I want him in Vegas right now. <laughs> I yeah. told you. I told you. What numbers he wearing? Yeah, I'm sold. <laughs> Again, we're talking with Coach Joey McGuire from Texas Tech as we're talking all things Tyree Wilson. Go ahead, Demond. How do you think that this success of Tyree Wilson, he's going to be a top 10 pick, I think, without a doubt. How is that going to help you on the recruiting trail or maybe in the transfer portal to say, hey, guys, you can have that type of success here at Texas Tech? You know, it, it already has, uh, and Tyree was a part of it because um, he was still here. Um, Steve Linton, uh, who was in the portal, and, and uh, man, y'all, y'all are going to see a, an outside edge guy. He, he plays opposite of what Tyree, so Tyree was our field in. Um, Steve's playing our boundary in, and he is, I would not be surprised if he leads the Big 12 in sacks. And so it's already paying off with that. Um, we've got a couple of commits that are edge guys that are young and athletic, and, um, you know, they can see. You know, Tim DeRuiter's fixed to have back-to-back number one draft picks. He was at Oregon last year, and so he had the kid that went to um, uh, the Giants. Um, he's also the guy that uh, was the defense coordinator at A&M when Bond Miller went from a guy having an okay college career to a number one draft pick and then having a great NFL career. So it's one thing about DeRuiter, man. He knows how to, uh, you know, get the most out of those edge guys, and, and it's helping us a bunch. The cool thing about Tyree, he is a proud Red Raider. And so just like the proudest Red Raider right now that carries the flag in the NFL, Pat Mahomes, he's a guy that's going to be a lot like Pat from the standpoint that he is going to be really proud and he's going to come back and he's going to help his school. Um, and and I'm, I'm, man, I love him to death. He's such a great guy. Coach Joey McGuire is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 and Necessary Roughness. Just got a few more for you, Coach. And, you know, when you look at Tyree and you look at guys like Will Anderson from Alabama, who a lot of people believe is going to be probably the first defensive player taken off the board, kind of know what Will Anderson is, kind of seeing his accolades already and great player. But Tyree, I feel like, Coach, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like he still has a lot of room to grow, but he showed how good he could already be. He's just going to get better. Yeah, you know, Will's incredible and, and deserves every everything that he's getting, and, and if he's the first guy taken, I'm sure you can't go wrong with him. The, the thing that I would say about Tyree is if you look at his body of work, you've seen him play a three technique, a four technique, a five technique, a seven, a, a six, a nine. You've seen him drop into coverage. Like, there's nobody in this draft on the defensive side of the ball that can play as many positions along that front, and then you also see him play in space when we dropped him a few times like Tyree Wilson, you know, because the guy went from a 3-4 interior, you know, four technique, three technique to an edge guy. And I don't think there's anybody else in the draft that that can do that or, you know, has done it on film. 
And so I think he's just got such a huge upside. When you saw him on film, when you made your way to Lubbock and you saw him on film, what went through your mind as a defensive-minded coach? <laughs> Man, I was like, we got something special here. You know, just uh, let him know exactly who you are and, and what you can do. Because last year, you know, he had a great bowl game against Mississippi State. He had three sacks, and there was a lot of people in his ear that were saying, hey, come out, you know. And mm-hmm. he was like a project- projected you know, maybe fourth round draft pick, definitely fifth round. And, and, uh, you know, whenever I was able to sit down with him, I was saying, look, it's there and I understand it. And I'm going to be the first coach. I tell every player, you will never hear me tell you to come back if you're supposed to come out. I think it's just criminal to do that to players and put yourself ahead of them. I, I don't believe in that. And so I told Tyree, I said, Tyree, I really believed in my heart that you were supposed to come out. I'd be the first one to tell you. And I would, pat you on the back and say good luck but you have the potential to do what he's doing he did this year and what he's going to do in the draft and so I was so excited whenever he said coach I'm ready to come back <laughs> I bet <laughs> all right coach I've got to ask you this because I think this is a little bit breaking news we're the first interview that you've done since this has been announced three three thousand retweets on Twitter and you're going to climb the crane <laughs> <laughs> well man I'm one of those dudes that uh you know I've bungeed up bungee jump plenty of times i was how about this i was going to parachute last uh spring break not this one but the last one but i got bucked off a horse in uh the uh, houston rodeo and i hurt my back so i didn't because <laughs> we were getting ready so you know i i'm just one of those guys i if, hey if it if it helped texas tech and we get more exposure i'm probably going to try to do it so not scared of heights i don't know i've ever been up that high but we're ready to go, man. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, and as a coach, uh, you, you mentioned just how imperative it is for you to put your players' best interests at heart. And I'm glad that you say that because I feel like that can get a little bit muddled in today's day and age because ultimately as a coach, you're just a shepherd to the next stop in life, whether that's at, at the professional football level or whatever these guys are going to move on to. But what physical skill has become a, a mastery imperative for your players bound for the next level uh, that really wasn't on the anybody's radar in the last, say, seven years? Because things change pretty quickly, and, and what's demanded from these players when they're supposed to be ready to go and, and plug and play? Well, you know, a, a couple things. I mean, I was really lucky to work for Matt Rule and, and see what he did. And then you look, a couple years ago, Baylor's um, guys went, I mean, crazy at the combine with the speed you know, and, and with Jalen Petrie of what he did this last year in the NFL, I mean, I think he set every rookie record as a DB that you can set. And so I've seen some really, really good players. I think you, you've got to have some guys that understand um, they've got to be able to do multiple things. Um, we've got a kid right now that I coach that started out as a tight end. He's been in the league the last four years with the Panthers, and um, he's now an O-lineman. You know, and, and so I think you got to be able to play a lot of positions. And then the biggest thing, I tell our guys all the time, if you can't play special teams in college, you can't play in the NFL unless you're a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. But if you are a linebacker, receiver, running back, tight end, DB, if you can't get on the field and play, you know, three core special teams, then you're probably not going to be able to play in the NFL. I mean, so we're just looking for those guys that, you know, that, one, um, love playing football, and two, can play a lot of different things. 
You mentioned Matt Rule in that last answer there, and your son Garrett is on his coaching staff as the wide receivers coach. How soon did he get that coaching bug? I remember listening to Kyle Shanahan on a podcast, and the question was, hey, if you could give anybody coaching advice that wants to make it to the NFL, what would your advice be? And Kyle Shanahan said, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's funny. You know, it's crazy. Uh, He was kind of bouncing back and forth about staying at Carolina because he was with Coach at Carolina. And, um, you know, and and, uh, so – I told him, I said, hey, they might tell you you've got a job, but you really don't got a job until the new guy gets in and you've got an opportunity to be a position coach. Uh, I think he's the youngest position coach at the Power 5 level. Um, and, man, he's just eat up with it. He started, you know, uh, really almost creating his own offense when he was 12 years old. You know, he's just – he really is. I tell everybody, I, and I'll, I'll do this. I mean, you know, I got a lot of money. From the standpoint of like, I'm also you know I, I enjoy the Vegas time going to Vegas on blackjack. I got some money that I'll put My man. on uh, Garrett McGuire. <laughs> Come on um, now, get him on the board with anybody, anybody. I don't care who it is uh, that he can hang with anybody whenever it comes to X's and O's. Uh, the kid is he's different, and it's not because I mean he came in uh, and probably two or three days had Kitley's Coach Kitley's offense down and was asking him questions. I mean. He's already been through five offenses through his career, and um, he's just different, man. He's got a photographic memory, and he's eat up with football. And and so uh, really proud of him, but happy he's with Coach Rule because, again, Coach Rule will really – the great thing about him, he'll challenge you to be a better coach. Yeah, no, Coach is great, and it was great to, to get to know him. It was obviously great to know you while you guys were at Baylor together and, and being able to follow your career. And, Coach, we'll close out with this. Uh, I've obviously seen you when you were a high school coach. I saw you at Baylor. Now you're at Texas Tech. I mean, what what is it about you and coaching and just it, it's, it's, it's always worked on every level for you? Oh, it's all about the players. I, I mean, anybody can say that, but my players – you know, and I'm, y'all are going to laugh at me uh, because if anybody knows me, this is really not who I am, but I'm going to do my second wedding in July and do my third wedding next April and uh, of players and it's officiating. And that, <laughs> you know, that's really not, I mean, I had to call a couple of different people to say, how, how do you do this? You know, <laughs> but it, it's the relationship that I have with my guys because they know that I'm going to put their well-being first, that I care about them, I love them, and and, uh, you know, um, I'm going to be extremely demanding. I'm going to hold them accountable. But there's not a day when they walk through the building that I'm not fired up to see them and I'm not going to put them first. Always put the players first and good things are going to happen. You know, and I always talk about uh, high school football here. I, I love high school football from my co- time covering it there in Texas. So for you, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's, where, you, that's where you made your name, Coach McGuire. I mean, what is Texas high school football? What has that always meant to you? Well, I tell everybody, and, and it was funny, there was a comment after the bowl game about now maybe he sees himself as a college coach. Well, I, I do. I coach college, but I'm a high school coach that gets to coach college. You know, it's not the other way around. Um, you know, I know my DNA. I know my roots. And, and uh, you know, uh, Jeff Trailer and I, uh, Jeff at UTSA, man, we carry that THSCA flag and hope we're doing a good job so we can give other high school coaches an opportunity, you know, perfect example about high school football. Uh, Philadelphia played in the Super Bowl uh, running a lot of RPOs and zone reads and putting their quarterbacks in great positions. And, heck, I was defending that in 1999 against Sam Harrell at Ennis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, some of the stuff that it doesn't, it doesn't trickle down. 
whenever it comes to some of that stuff. I think it definitely trickles up, and, and Texas high school football, as you all know, is at a different level. Yeah, no, it, it really is. Go ahead, Demond. Coach, this is just a quick yes or no. The next seafood boil after practice, can I get an invite? <laughs> You know it, man, and I'm going to tell you what, <laughs> it is legit because the guy that came in, they call him the crawfish king in Houston, so you know if it's coming from that area, it's great, great crawfish. There's no doubt, no doubt. Well, Coach, thanks so much. Uh, you gave us plenty of time. We got some good background on Tyree Wilson, who might end up going from a Red Raider to a Las Vegas Raider, and then you'll really have to come out to Vegas. And, and, and... Oh, man, <laughs> I would love that. I'll tell you, my wife would love that 100%. Nice. Well, if it happens, Coach, we'll be in Kansas City, so I'll see you there. But if it does happen, man, you got to come out here, and we got to get you in studio and hang out a little bit, if that's all right. You, you got it, man. I promise I'll 100% do that for you. Thanks, Coach. I appreciate you. Good luck on Saturday. All right, thank y'all. All right, thank you. There he goes, Coach Joy McGuire, Texas Tech Red Raiders. Went from a high school coach to, as he said, I'm a high school coach coach in college. Grassroots, right, that's you the way just, it's got to be. You could just tell how much he loves his job and, it's, mm-hmm. and, and loves his players, and that, that means a lot. And Tyree Wilson, man, to pull yourself from being on the bench in the game that you're losing and get the guys that are starters and say, hey, we ain't letting these guys score, that's something. That's pretty special right there. That kind of tells you a lot about who that player is in Tyree Wilson. Yeah, and this guy makes tackles, so I'm all about this life. I'm all about this life in the space. You can make tackles and contain the edge. I need you on my team. 3.49 is the time. We'll come back, close out hour number two. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Coming up at the top of the hour, Teron Davenport from ESPN will join the show to talk all things Tennessee Titans and make pick number 11 in our Unnecessary Roughness mock draft that we have going on. Many thanks to Coach Joey McGuire from Texas Tech talking all things Tyree Wilson in the last segment. If you missed that, lvsportsnetwork.com. Our podcasts are always up there from all of our shows. You definitely check that out. I got some winning on the way. Matter of fact, I'll go ahead and uh, throw the number out there right now. It is 702-365-9200. Caller number 9, MGM Grand. You want to be there on Saturday. Two tickets to the closed circuit viewing of Tank Davis versus Garcia. This is a value of $250. This is nothing to sneeze at, right? $250 for two tickets to go to the MGM Grand. It's basically like having uh, you know, a pay-per-view at your house without being at your house and having to pay for it. So you're getting hooked up. So we're going to give you a pair of tickets to that right now at 702-365-9200. Looking for call number nine. Uh, while DeMond's doing that, I want to go through a couple text messages that we got on our don'tbebroke.com text line talking about who was the draft pick that got away. Big Dub Raider said, Q, my draft pick that got away was in 2020 draft. I was telling anyone who would listen, we have to double up wide receiver and take CD first, then rugs. Well, we all know what happened. Go Raiders. And it's funny, Lindsay, that he brought that up. Yeah. When I saw the draft unfolding, you know, and, and I knew that the Raiders had that extra pick, and they end up ultimately going with uh, Damon Arnett. They picked Ruggs first and went with Damon Arnett. I thought for a second there that they were going to end up with C.D. Lamb as well. And I was like, wow, they're going to end up with both of these wide receivers. But they you know, obviously didn't. But I thought that that was going to happen. Could you imagine what that wide receiving core would have looked like? A guy like C.D. Lamb that's got the size and you know he's got the, the route running ability and mm-hmm. then Ruggs with that speed. That could have been a hell of an offense right there. Yeah, it's it's the what ifs, right? And <laughs> right. when you have these, these drafts, a lot of them talk about wide receivers being almost interchangeable because once you have a certain amount of teams that are all looking for that, it doesn't really matter because we right. need We need a first-round pick wide receiver, and and it's even more puzzling that Justin Jefferson was the last one taken out of that out of that group. Isn't that incredible? Incredible. (laughs) I I am very happy about that uh, uh, unfolding the way it did. It worked out for you well. Yeah, at least for for one more season. If anything, it kind of muddled their timeline of being a a contender, which I don't think they are. But uh, we'll certainly take that to the bank in terms of branding. Yeah. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Raider Chavez in the 916 said, I wanted the Raiders to move up and get Micah Parsons. Instead, 
we got Alex Leatherwood. That's right, Alex Leatherwood, the gift that keeps on giving, and this is one that you'll appreciate. Randy Moss, the Raiders could have moved up. Uh, the Raiders could have had Charles Woodson and Randy Moss in one draft, but Dennis Greed snatched two picks in front of us, grabbed uh, Randy Moss. Could you imagine that? Danny, I mean, rest in power! <laughs> God, what a legend. Seawood and Randy Moss. I remember that battle. That battle that happened between them in Minnesota. It was on a Sunday. It was September 19, 1999. My oldest son, Kimani, was born that day. He did not come out until the game was over. And the Raiders won that game, but I remember there's a famous play where Randy Moss is running a, a deep route and Charles Woodson is running with him, and Randy pushes off because he's really good at that. Yeah, as Randy does. But Charles got called for the P.I., and I remember I was in the waiting room. I was like, that's not P.I. That's that's <laughs> offensive P.I. Like, I was so angry. So your child entered the world in a serene environment. Yeah, exactly. So it was, Set the tone for It was the like when Vegas Jess pushed off on me <laughs> and got away with it. Well, Randy Moss pushed off on Seawood and got away. So I guess in some ways I'm someone like Seawood? No. No, no, no. You got Randy in the end, at least for a brief period of time. Oh, yeah, that was that fun. That worked out super well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get your good laughs in. Tron hey, Davenport. Back to us too. <laughs> Tron Davenport's up next. It's Randy's Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Got a big shout out to Dark Side Don. Got hooked up with a pair of tickets to the go to the MGM Grand on Saturday. Two tickets to the closed circuit event, Tank Davis versus Garcia. Uh, we got more of those tickets on the way. Definitely appreciate uh, Dark Side for that. And he gave his pick, the, the draft pick that got away, and he said Calvin Johnson. And Calvin Johnson, Hall of Famer Calvin Johnson, <laughs> that is. So Calvin that. Johnson would say he was the one that got away from a lot of other people that probably would have led him to more success. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. Speaking of success, how about my guy who's always dressed for success? That's my guy, Teron Davenport from ESPN. He joins us now here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. And, Teron, let me ask you, man, was there ever a draft pick that, you know, in your time growing up watching the, the game of football that you thought, you know what, my team needs to go and get that player, and, and they, well, they just didn't make that move, and he went on to be a really great player? Oh man, uh, you're making me take it way back. <laughs> wow, uh, was there ever a draft pick? Well, I tell you, a draft pick that was made that I said, "Why the heck did you do it?" And it ended up being uh, correct. And that's Jim Drunkenmiller from Virginia Tech. The the 49ers selected him way back when, and he was a first round quarterback that they selected, and uh, that didn't go well. So I, I, I'll reverse it and, and say <laughs> one that I knew was was the wrong one and ended up being the absolute wrong one. I like it. I like it. That's a good way to flip it on me. I'm okay with that. Again, Teron Davenport from ESPN joins us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. So since you brought up quarterback, let me go ahead and go to quarterback and flip it back to you. (laughs) Any chance that Tennessee, who's sitting there at number 11, is eyeing the Arizona Cardinals at three as a potential trade-up to go get a quarterback that's not named Malik Willis? Well, one thing I learned last year especially is to never say never because you couldn't have told me at this time last year that A.J. Brown would get traded. You know what happened. So I'm going to say there's a possibility. I don't feel that it's likely, but one thing that Rand Carthon and those in in that building have done a really good job of is is keeping a seal on any leaks as far as potential directions that they could go. This is more than any other year an absolute walk in the dark for me. So I, I really have no clue. What about Trey Lance, who's still in San Francisco? And, of course, the GM there in Tennessee comes from San Francisco. And, I mean, he was helped be responsible for Trey Lance, uh, you know, getting to San Francisco. And they're, they're talking about fielding offers for him. You think Tennessee has any, any uh, thoughts on, on Trey? Yeah, I know there's a relationship there between Trey Lance and Rand Carthon. It, just, it seems like any player that cross paths with him yeah. has a relationship. So I know that is the case. 
I think it all comes down to what type of compensation would be at stake here. And it's pretty clear that the 49ers are looking to drum up interest because they're saying that multiple teams are, are reaching out to them. Uh, that's what they're saying through Ian Rappaport. And I, I don't see that being the case unless they want to make a move. Right. So I, there's a chance. I, I know, like I said, there's a relationship. Um, I've, I've spoken to Rand about Trey Lance. And I know he thinks very you know, highly of him. So uh, that's another one where there isn't a chance. But he did a good job of making sure that, you know, not to give any indications. Teron Davenport from ESPN is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, Teron, our resident uh, our resident Titan fan, Damon's got a couple questions for you. Traylon Burks, okay. how high is the team on him? Because, I mean, he didn't have that good of a rookie <laughs> season, and you expect him at the 18th pick in last year's draft to replace A.J., but he just hasn't been able to do it. Do you think they take a receiver early in this draft? Yeah, I think they do take a receiver early, whether it's at pick 11 or 41. As far as Burks is concerned, Coming in and, and being tagged with that A.J. Brown replacement moniker, is just, it's just not fair. It's not fair to him. A.J. is a special receiver. He's clearly a top 10 guy in this league. It's tough as a rookie to come in and, and replace that, but they are high on him. If you look at that Packers game, you look at the Bengals game, he had three catches of 40 yards or more in, in those two games combined. So there's definitely potential. The biggest thing that just in talking to him, a locker clean out, and then talking to Tim Kelly, the offensive coordinator, talking to Mike Vrabel, the biggest thing for him is to become more consistent. And, you know, one of the things that you have to look at is the fact that last year at this time that like, he was going through the draft circuit, touring, going to meet with all these teams. When he was training, he was training for combine and testing, not actual football. This year he gets to do that specifically, and I know he's here in Nashville working with Malik Willis and some of the other guys at Vanderbilt and you know over there at OTAs as well. I expect a big year from him, and the Titans staff does as well. And then the tight end, I mean, they could use wherever the help they can get it when it comes to receiving the football. So is tight end a position that they're going to look at in this draft? I could see them going tight end a bit later. They helped themselves by select, uh, not selecting but signing – Trevon Wesco out of West Virginia, he played for the Jets and the Bears last year. A big part of their blocking scheme, which led the league in, in rushing in Chicago. So that's a natural fit for the Titans. But I could see them going with another inline type of guy, a, a, a very versatile type that, you know, you can move around. But Chig is going to be the move uh, tight end. Chig Okonkwo, who he had more 40-yard catches than any other tight end in, in the league last year. So you, you got to look at that. Um, but, yeah, I could see them adding, whether it's a guy like Sam Laporta out of Iowa or, or, or someone like that, uh, you know, a little bit later, uh, a late day two to, to day three pick for sure. Well, since we happen to talk about tight ends, let me ask you about Austin Hooper right, real quick. The Raiders signed him in, in free agency. What are your thoughts on, on that addition for the Ra- Raiders side of things? Yeah, he was a guy that came along a little bit late. He and Ryan Tannehill worked extensively to try to get on the same page. It didn't happen as much initially, but then – he became, you know, one of those slot machines, like the third down movers. They'll line him up in the slot and he'll run his routes there and he would get uh, catches on third down. He's a consistent pass catcher. Not the toughest guy as far as like going against the block, but he, he'll get in, get in the way, right? So that's something I would do, but you're not going to see him putting his hands on somebody and moving them across the field, but he'll get in the way. 
Jerron Davenport's our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Necessary Roughness. Lindsay's got one for you. Go ahead, Lindsay. Jacksonville is a team on the rise with a lot of young talent and a visor wearing head coach that can call plays. How <laughs> big is the gap between your squad and theirs? And what do the Titans have to do better to slow down the ascension of that team and specifically Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, I think there's a, a decent gap between the two teams, but I feel the Titans' defense is, is, is better, in my opinion. And you look at some of the guys that they have up front, obviously starting with Jeffrey Simmons, and then all the way through to uh, Kevin Byard on the back end. So I, I think really what they need to do is just get more explosive on offense. They have to find ways to put points on the board. You look at this game from last year, they were literally a questionable call away from going into Jacksonville and clinching the division and a playoff berth. That's what Josh Dobbs at quarterback, not Ryan Tannehill. Josh Dobbs. So <laughs> I don't think that there's that much of a gap between them, but I definitely give Doug Peterson and the crew with Trevor Lawrence, you know, as as the quarterback, I give them uh, the upper hand. Then when it comes to the offensive line, it looks like they may have the first pick at any of the top offensive linemen that are there. They're going to have to replace Taylor Lewan. Do you think they go offensive lineman with that first round pick? There's definitely a good chance. You know, you look at Paris Johnson Jr. on the board. I know they signed Andre Dillard from the Eagles, and the expectation, at least his, is to slide in at that left tackle or, let's say, compete at that left tackle spot. One thing that is always prevalent on this staff and on this roster is they are not afraid to bring in guys to compete. So that being said, Paris Johnson Jr. is someone that I could see them selecting at 11. I don't think that would be a bad option. They need a left guard, too, so... You know, there's some things that they need on that O-line, and, and maybe they take that approach. They take a, a guy in the first round at number 11 and then just put their best five offensive linemen out there and see how it works. Yeah, buddy, we like to hear that. So, Teron, you know what that means? That means that the Tennessee Titans officially on the clock. We know Bryce Young is gone, C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, Anthony Richardson, Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson, Christian Gonzalez, Bijan Robinson, Peter Skaronsky, Nolan Smith. It is all on you at number 11 overall. Who's Tennessee taking? Wow. You look, I just branded about Paris Johnson Jr., so that's a pick that I could definitely look at. Then knowing Devin Witherspoon is on the board somehow, that's another one. But I'm going to go receiver. We talked about the need that the Titans have to add the ability to score points. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State is just that. A lot of people funnel him into a slot, but I think he's a big-bodied receiver, very uh, you know good within his routes. He, his yards up to catch are there. I could see him as the Z to Traylon Burks' X with Kyle Phillips in the slot, and that gives you, you know, a, a reliable pass-catching option, and it fills their biggest need. He's the best receiver in this draft. I think if he came, if he was able to come out last year, he was a top-ten pick. So, yeah, let's go with Jackson Smith and Jigglers, the guy who Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson both said was the best out of the three. Nice, nice. I like it. I like it. Put it up on the board right there, Jackson Smith and Jigba. And well, I mean, you, I know you mentioned Paris Johnson. I know you talked about Devin Witherspoon. I mean, how much, how much hesitation did you have to make that pick, or was that kind of a no-brainer for you? You know, it's one of those things where I look at uh, horizontal value, mm. and I had no hesitation selecting Smith and Jigba because I think when you look as far as within the the, the top fifteen. Play uh, players, prospects. I think Devin Witherspoon, Paris Johnson, 
and Smith and Jigba are all there. But guess what? It's an area where the top prospect matches your top need, and I think that's why Smith and Jigba is the pick. There you go. It makes sense. Look at that. That's science right there. Teron is the professor. I know we call uh, we call our guy in Indy, we call him the professor and uh, uh, Mike Wells, but I think that you got that professor cap now, Teron. I think you just took it from him. So we're going to put Jackson Smith and Jigba up on the board for you. Uh, what do you got coming out, man? What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for, and are we going to see you in Kansas City next week? Yeah, I won't be there in Kansas City. I'll be right here in Nashville over at St. Thomas Sports Park at the facility there. What we have coming out, I have my, my podcast, Talking with TD. You could search that on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes. Right now, there's a story on ESPN.com on the Titans page. It's just an inside look at the Titans process of, of, of signing Jeffrey Simmons. The pretty good nuggets in there that I think uh, a lot of fans will like. There you go. I love it. And great work as always, Teron. I appreciate you, my man. Enjoy the draft. And uh, we'll be catching up soon, hopefully doing some shows together soon. Yeah, for sure. Definitely need to do that, man. We got to call stocks and tell them to get it going. Absolutely. Appreciate you, Teron. <laughs> for sure. There he goes, Teron Davenport. Great dude right there from ESPN. You can check him out on Twitter at tdavenport underscore NFL. So there you go. Our first wide receivers off the board. We got some skill positions. And Devin Witherspoon is still on the board. He's still available. Value, value. What are we doing here? <laughs> Teams are taking the positions what they need. What are we doing yeah. here? <laughs> Come on, don't you feel better about your chances? Oh, I do, man. I, I, like I said, the Titans, they need to score more points. The defense, the defense is solid. You need somebody that can catch the ball. Traylon Burks, hey, man, hey, buddy, got to be better than 33 catches. Well, I mean, he was injured, though. To what Teron was saying, he was injured coming into camp last year, right? I mean, there was questions if he was even going to play. I mean, there was. I remember having those conversations like, is this dude really the guy? And then remember they were talking about his weight? He was a little over, overweight while he was mm-hmm. still trying to rehab. And, yeah, man, so now if he can come in fresh and Teron just said that he was back in camp, I think, I think that's a lot to like. My biggest question when it comes to Tennessee is the quarterback. Yep. Ryan Tannehill, I think he's on his way out, and mm-hmm. I don't think Willie Willis be. is the guy. Tannehill's like 34, isn't he? I don't care. He's old. <laughs> It was always fake when he won Comeback Player of the Year anyway. I'm still salty about that. There were so many better options out there, and he won Comeback Player, even though he didn't really come back from anything except for not being very good. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can't always award the guy who snapped his leg in half. Gotta diversify the portfolio a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you gotta switch it up a little. Right, just a little bit here and there. <laughs> but they had other guys, like the center from uh, from Dallas at the time, Fredrickson. He had that, like, uh, bar, what's that, uh, bar syndrome or... Bar syndrome? No, not bar. That, that sounded bad. Um, I forget what it's called. I was but it, say, he knows no, Ryan. it was it was a bad syndrome where he missed the whole year. Like he, there was. Uh. I mean, it was really bad. I can't remember. It was something bar, but it's not. Anyway, I, I had learned what it was as sure. I had never heard of it before. And now I know what it is, but I clearly don't because I can't tell you what the name of it is. But that's going to do it for us. Aviator Baseball is up on your radio next. We'll be back tomorrow. Make sure you're waking up with the tailgate. Clay Baker and Vinny Boston, you're at 7 a.m. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.